Thank you. Uh, I don't think you'll find much disagreement uh, <laughs> with that proposition, but to have American workers do those jobs, we need to train them, correct? And you all, in some sense, because it's not technical you're all training, teachers, though. You're all That's the funny thing about it. It's not technical training. In it's just that. It's it's just enterprise. A, uh, it's content review. Mr. Amadeo, I uh, I show you something. This uh, is bad. Don't know yes, whether no. you can be called still a professor, but uh, probably not. Uh, I was never a professor. <laughs> but there's a, you know, in, in, in this is more of a philosophical question, but it's like there's a there's a there's there's a, a, a psychological toll, right? Customer service agents feel this all the time, right? It's like if all you deal with is all the shittiest tickets of people trying to exploit each other on a video game or uh, exploiting or, or all the horrible things that they say in chat and people are reporting and submitting reports or whatever the hell. What a, what a psychologically taxing job that all you do is see the worst in humanity come through your system all the time. And so I agree that take that psychological burden away from people and that is the perfect place to employ AI because you just have to have one person train it on the vilest of shit for the one time, you know, pay that guy a million dollars a year to just have to deal with like the, all the crazy psycho shit, train an AI on how to recognize it and then take that burden away from anybody. No, nobody should get paid enough to sit there and have to sift through negative content. California minimum wage doesn't make me feel better about having a sift, people having to sift through that. Yeah. No. No, that's, yeah, that's... And that you're trusting that they're actually picking what you're hoping they're picking. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Jeez. What a job. Uh, we need to train workers to do these jobs. And for those who want to pause, and some of the experts have written that we should pause AI development. Good luck. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Good we right now have a gold rush, mm -hmm. literally much like the gold rush that we had in the Wild West, yep. where in fact there are no rules and everybody's trying to get to the gold without very many law enforcers out there preventing the kinds of crimes that can occur. AI black so lung. I am mm -hmm. uh, totally in agreement with Senator Hawley in focusing on keeping it in America, made in America, when we're talking about AI. And I think he is absolutely right that we need to build those kinds of structures, provide the training and incentives that enable it and enforce it. Let me, though, come back to this issue of uh, national security. Who are our competitors among our adversaries and our allies? Who are closest to United States in terms of developing AI? Is it China? Are there other adversaries out there that could be rogue nations, not just rogue actors, but rogue nations, and whom we need to bring into some international body of cooperation? Uh, so I think the, the closest competitor we have is probably the UK. Uh, in terms of making advances in basic research, both in academia uh, and in DeepMind, in particular, which is based in London, um, now being merged more forcefully into the larger Google organization. But um, they have a very distinct approach, uh, and they've created an ecosystem 
in the UK that, that's really quite productive. Um, I've spent a fair amount of time in China. I was there a month ago talking to the major institutions uh, that are working on AGI. Um, and my sense is that we have slightly overstated the level of threat uh, that they currently present. Uh, they've mostly been building copycat systems uh, that turn out not to be nearly as good uh, as the systems that are coming out from uh, Well, they mostly care about surveillance. AI That's all they care about. Mm. They've got the so, game on lock. Um, but the intent is definitely there. I mean, they've publicly stated their goal to be the world leader, um, and they are investing uh, probably larger sums of public money than we are in the U.S., uh, smaller sums in the private sector. The areas where they are actually most effective, and I was actually on a panel uh, in Tianjin for the, the top 50 Chinese AI startups, and they were giving out awards. Uh, but I think about- Pente and surveillance. 50, mm -hmm. Their primary customer was state security. There you go. So they are mm -hmm. extremely good at voice recognition, mm -hmm. face recognition, uh, tracking and recognition of humans based on gait, uh, and, and similar uh, capabilities that are useful for state security. Um, other areas like reasoning uh, and so on, Fuck all that. planning, they're just not, in, they're <laughs> yeah. not really that close. Yeah. So they have a pretty good academic sector that they are in the process of ruining uh, by forcing them to meet numerical uh, publication targets and things like that. They don't give people the freedom to think hard about uh, the most important problems, uh, and, and they are not producing the basic research breakthroughs uh, that we've seen both in the academic and the private sector uh, in the U.S. Uh, I'm to, also to produce a superhuman thinking machine if you don't allow humans to think. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, I've also looked a lot at European countries. I'm working with the French government quite a bit, and, and I don't think anywhere else is in the same league as those three. Russia, in particular, has been completely denuded of its experts um, and was already well behind. Mr. Pentio, Professor. Um, on the allied side, um, there are a few countries, uh, including Canada, from which I come from, um, that have... I wouldn't discount Russia. Here, here's why. What Russia's really good at is... I'll go ahead and let you waste all your money making the tool. <laughs> mm -hmm. We 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 don't gotta we don't we don't gotta be the guy that invented the tool, right. but we're gonna be the guy that like leverages the tool against you, mm -hmm. right? Like Russian, you know the 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 the, the general uh, attack angles of like Russian hackers and a lot of the stuff is to just take a person's platform, Twitter, whatever it is, and then just manipulate it, right? So they are. They, I would almost say that they are hyper aware of the human element hyper aware because that is their chief modus operandi in terms of how they influence the rest of the world is through individuals mm -hmm. so yeah, they're like cool thanks for thanks for giving us thanks for building another platform for us to go ahead and and rock so they don't got to make they don't got to admit it yep <laughs> don't discount russia <laughs> concentration of talent in in ai and in you know in canada we've contributed a lot of the principles behind what we're seeing today there is also a lot of really good European researchers uh, in the UK and outside the UK. 
So I think that um, we would all gain by making sure we work with these countries to develop these countermeasures as well as the improved understanding of the uh, potentially dangerous scenarios and what methodologies in terms of safety can protect us. You, you've, advo you've advocated decentralized labs. Yes. But under... A common umbrella that would be multilateral. Maybe this could be uh, a good starting place could be um, Five Eyes or G7. And that would capture pretty much the uh, bulk of the expertise in these very strong AI systems that, that uh, could be important here. And there would probably be some way for our entity, our national oversight body, doing licensing and registration to still cooperate. In fact, I would guess oh, that's yeah. one of the reasons to have a single entity, to be able to work and collaborate yes. with so other countries. There's no doubt that individual countries have their own national security organizations um, and are going to do their own laws. But the more we can coordinate on this, um, He's talking like CIA, MI6. Some of that research should be classified and, and, yeah. and but then above that, they all trusted parties. somewhat coordinate internationally. So um, I see it. there aspects of what we have to do that have to be really broad at the international level. And I think the guidelines or the uh, maybe mandatory rules for safety should be something we do internationally, like with the UN. Like we want every country to follow some basic rules because even if they don't have the technology, some rogue actor even here in the US might just go and do it somewhere else and then uh, you know, viruses, computer or biological viruses don't see any border. Yep. So we need to make sure there's an international effort in terms of these uh, safety measures. We need to agree with China on these safety measures as the first interlocutor. And we need to work with our allies on these countermeasures. <laughs> Are you um, okay? I'm so tired. I'm I so think tired. that all it's those observations are extremely timely and important. Um, and on the issue of ask, safety, though. I know that Anthropic has developed a <laughs> model card like for And I took it out of the ponytail and everything. I was like, that, oh, it's like uh, essentially involves evaluation That's capabilities. Your red teaming considered the risk of self-replication or um, a similar kind of danger. Uh, OpenAI engaged in the same kind of testing. We've been talking a lot about testing and auditing. Uh, so apparently you share the concern that these systems may get out of control. Uh, Professor Russell recommended an obligation to be able Better. to terminate an AI system, uh, Microsoft called this requirement safety breaks. When we talk about legislation, would you recommend that we impose that kind of requirement as a condition for testing and auditing the evaluation that goes on uh, when deploying certain AI systems? Obviously, again, focusing on risk. I think everybody has talked about systems that are 
vulnerable. I'll interrupt less. Risk systems. Um, well, that's not funny. An AI model spreading like a virus seems a bit like science fiction, but um, these safety breaks could be very, very important um, to stop that kind that of danger. Would you agree? Yes. So I think I, 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 for one, think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the the way I would think about it is, you know, in the in the testing and auditing regime that that we've all we've all discussed, you know, the the best case is if all of these dangers that we're talking about don't happen in the first place because we run tests that detect the, the dangers and there's there's basically there's basically prior restraint, right? If these things are a concern for public safety and national security, we never want the bad things to happen in the first place. But precisely because we're still getting good at the science of measurement, um, probably it will happen <laughs> at, at least once and unfortunately perhaps repeatedly that we run these tests, we think things are safe and then they turn out not to be safe, and so I, I agree. We also we also need a mechanism for recalling things if the tower modifying things if the tests ended up being wrong. So that 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 seems like common sense to me for sure. Execute order sixty six. Uh, I think there's been <laughs> some talk about auto GPT. Uh, <gasps> Does anyone what he's talking about? Maybe you can talk a little bit about how that relates to safety breaks. Yes. Um, so auto auto GPT refers to uh, use of you know currently deployed uh, AI systems, which are which are not designed to be agents, right? Which are just chatbots, but kind of um, commandeering such systems for taking actions on the internet. Um, you know, t to be honest, such systems are not particularly effective at that yet, but they may be a taste of the future and the kinds of things we're worried about in the future, the long-term risks. Well, that I don't know. Mine can read the internet and comment on blogs. Risk. So hmm. I, I don't, a, as of yet, see a particularly high amount of danger okay. from, from things like the system you described, but it, it tells us where we're going, and where we're going is, is quite concerning to me. You know, uh, in some of the areas... Yeah, so so for the, for the users... Um, for the listeners, sorry. Um, AutoGPT is basically taking ChatGPT and putting it uh, in a loop where it can like uh, create its own sort of like action plan, and to some degree, it can actually like launch a browser search and actually go and get more information, and then incorporate that in what it ought to do for the next action. And um, it's gotten pretty advanced in the sense that if you ask it to go do something like. Uh, post on Twitter or something like this and it discovers that there's like an API for that system out there if if that API is open or at least it can interact with it in such a way it'll actually teach itself how to interact with that API now this is yeah, at some point somebody has to hand over credentials and this is just the same as like this is the same reason why you wouldn't let somebody just sit at your laptop and do whatever on the internet so these the fact that you can automate GPT and then get it to go do other things, even for what I'm doing for Digital Heresy, Kaji is using my credentials to do that. Like it's it's using my credentials to go, and it's using my search browser to go to Google and, and pull something up or whatever. So any, if I were a malicious actor and I have it go do something on my behalf, it's on my ass, it's not some nebulous thing. And in AutoGPT, which I experimented with way back at the at the beginning of this, you have to put in your credentials for everything. It's your open AI key. It's your everything. All your keys are your keys. Mm -hmm. And that is super simple to revoke if you have detection systems that uh, that can observe that you're using things in a bad way. Mm -hmm. So 
can it take action? Yes. Is it scary that it can take action? Yes. Can somebody get away with something maybe once or twice before somebody notices and shuts your shit down? Sure. That's every freaking system in the universe. Um, but it is not the rogue AI doing weird shit. I always start to get nervous if you have AIs that are damn it it's probably already happening but you i would get nervous if there's ais that are out there essentially creating everything just shy of a social security number for itself and starting to behave like an entity and if it can start to fool bank into bank systems into giving it a bank account and fool systems into giving it a seemingly legitimate twitter account or a seemingly legitimate human uh instagram account or an open ai account yeah that could be problematic also really easy to shut down again just like you have user policies on on everything else for normal human bad actors but it's gonna be hard to tell i, I can't deny that that have been mentioned like medicines and transportation uh there are public reporting requirements um for example when there's a failure the faa's uh system has an accident and incident report they collect data about failures in uh, those kinds of machinery. And it serves as a warning to consumers. It creates a deterrence uh, for putting unsafe products on the market. And it adds to oversight of uh, public safety issues. We've discussed this afternoon both short-term and long-term kinds of risks that can cause very significant public harm. Uh, it doesn't seem like AI companies have an obligation to report issues right now. In other words, there's no place to report it. They have no obligation to make it known. If they discover the, they do have issues. Oh my God, how did every that single every single response uh, in ChatGPT and even in Claude, I can say thumbs down, and I can actually report the content. Kind of requirement. They don't report to a central agency kind of though. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I think it, and it may be obvious, but uh, let me ask all of you. I, I see again your heads nodding for the record. Uh, would that inhibit creativity or innovation to have that kind of requirement? I was thinking. I, no. I, I don't. I, I don't think. I mean, there there are many areas where there's important trade-offs. I don't think this is one of them. I think. I think such requirements make sense. I mean, to give a little of our experience in you know red teaming for these biological harms, you know, we've had to work on, you know, piloting a responsible disclosure process. I think that's less about reporting to the public, more about making the other companies aware, but, you know, the, the two things are, are similar to each other. So, you know, a, a lot of this is being done on voluntary terms, and you see some of it coming up in the, you know, the, 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 the commitments that the seven companies make. But, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of um, legal and process infrastructure that's missing here and should be filled in. Yeah, I, I think to, to go along with the notion of uh, an involuntary recall, uh, there has to be that reporting step uh, happening first. You know, uh, you mentioned recalls. Uh, both Senator Hawley and I were state attorneys general uh, before we got this job. And uh, both of us are familiar with consumer issues. One of the frustrations for me always was that even with a recall, a lot of consumers didn't do anything about it. And so uh, I think the recall as a concept is a good one. But there have to be teeth to it. Uh, there has to be a cop on the beat, a cop on the AI beat. And I think the enforcement powers here 
are tremendously important. And the point that you made about the tremendous amount of money uh, is very important. You know, right now it's all private funding or mostly private funding. But the, the government has an obligation to invest. I think all, all of you would agree. Invest in safety, just as it has in other technology and innovation. Uh, because we can't rely on private companies to police themselves. That cop on the beat in the AI context has to be not only enforcing rules, but as I said at the very beginning, incentivizing innovation and sometimes funding it to provide the airbags and the seat belts and the crash-proof kinds of safety measures that we have in automobile industry. I recognize that the analogy is imperfect. Yeah, I feel for the sentiment, but concept is, that's like is saying safe. human beings ought to have safety belts that they provide to the rest of the universe. This has been a, a, a tremendously it's helpful liability hearing. Management. Thank each of you again for taking the time to be here. Can I just ask you, uh -oh, here um, we go. if you could give us your one or at most two recommendations for what you think Congress ought to do right now. What, what, would she, what should we do right now, based on your expertise, what we talked door. about today? Close the door and let I no would, one else I in. would be very, very curious uh, to hear. So maybe we'll start with you, Professor Russell, and, and go that way. Uh, so I, I gave some, uh, you know, move fast and fix things recommendations uh, in my opening remarks, and I, I, I think... Um, in engineering, we call it there's no build doubt the car while you're driving it down the road. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if things go as expected, uh, AI is going to end up being responsible for the majority of economic output in the United States. Yeah, uh, so it cannot be the case that there's the no overall regulatory agency for this technology. Um, and the second thing I think would, would be just to focus again on uh, systems that violate a certain set of unacceptable behaviors are removed from the market. Uh, and I think that will have uh, not only a benefit in terms of protecting the American people, and our national security, but also stimulating a great deal of research on ensuring that the AI systems are well understood, predictable, controllable. Um, and that's it. Thank Very good. You. Professor Bengio. What I would suggest in addition uh, to what Professor Russell said um, is to make sure either through incentives to companies, but also direct investment in nonprofit organizations that we invest heavily, so totally as much as we spend on uh, you know, making more capable AIs, that we invest heavily in, in safety, uh, whether it's at the level of the hardware or to the level of cybersecurity um, and, and national security to, to protect the public. Very good. Mr. Amadei. I would again emphasize the testing and auditing regime mm -hmm. for all the risks ranging from you know, those, those we've we face today, like misinformation came up, to the biological risks that I'm worried about in two or three years, to the uh, you know, risks of autonomous replication that are some unspecified period after that. You know, all, all of those can be tied to different kind of tests that we can, we can, that we can run in our model. And so that strikes me as a, you know, as a scaffolding on which we can build lots of different concerns about, about AI systems, right? If we start by testing for only one thing, we can, in the end, test for a much, much wider range of concerns. 
And I think without such testing, we're blind. Like I give you an AI system, another company gives you an AI system, you, you, you talk to it, it's not straightforward to determine whether this is a safe system or a dangerous system. So I would again make the analogy to, you know, it's, it's like we're, we're making these machines, you know, cars, airplanes. These are complex machines. We need an enforcement mechanism and people who are able to look at these machines and say, what are the, what, what are the benefits of these and what, what is the danger of this particular machine as well as, as, well as machines in, in general? Once we measure that, I, I feel it's all going to work out well. Um, but, but, you know, before we've identified and have a process for this, we're, we're from a regulatory perspective, sh shooting in the dark. And the final thing I would emphasize is, you know, I, I don't think we have a lot of time. You know, I personally am open to whatever administrative mechanism puts those kinds of tests in place. Um, you know, very agnostic to whether it's, you know, a new agency or extending the authorities of existing agencies. Um, but whatever we do, it has to happen fast. And I think to focus people's minds on the, on the bio risks, I would really target 2025, 2026, maybe even some chance of 2024. If, if we don't have things in place that are, that are restraining what can be done with AI systems, we're going to have a really bad time. Let me just thank you, each of you. That's, that's really helpful. Uh, let me just um, throw an idea out to you while I have you here, so to speak which is when we think about protecting individuals and their personal data and making sure that it doesn't end up being used to train one of these generative AI systems without the individual's consent. We know that there's just an enormous amount of, 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 of our own personal information out there in public, kind of, you know. I mean, it's really without our permission, but it's out there on, on the web. And everything from our, our credit histories to social media posts, et cetera, et cetera. Should we, should we, in addition to assigning property rights in individual data, you know, get explicitly giving every American a property right in their data, should we also require monetary compensation if AI companies Ooh. want to use individual data in their model in some way? I like that idea. Professor Duenzio, go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, there, it's not always going to be possible to know, to attribute uh, the output of a system to That's a particular a piece of data. Yes. These systems are not just copying, they're integrating information from yes. many, many sources. Um, and so we need other mechanisms to share to the people who are losing something. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. I, I like where this guy's going. I've always wondered that. If you're going to, we already have like... Um, We'll give you $50 or an Amazon gift card if you take this survey. We kind of have a little bit of that, but why wouldn't that just be automatic? Instead of you signing a waiver to say you have to use our services, you have to sign over your rights to yourself. How about they pay you to be able to sell your data? Right. Some people won't care, but... Every artist gets uh, however many pennies they get per stream. Per stream, not just I sold you a song, Spotify, and now you can play it a million times. No, no, no. Every single time my data gets pulled into a model and run through an algorithm, I get half a cent. I would... Here's two things. Not only would I... Um, be maybe more uh, persuaded or compelled to give some of my data away because it would be passive income, but I can absolutely meter my own consumption. Right. Because if I normally, you know, if I've, if I've released my information to a couple of companies and I normally get paid uh, $20 a year because it's not very much, uh, but that's what I get compensated for, and then suddenly the next year I'm getting $60, 
oh, I know somebody stole my information somewhere. Right. Because he had to pay me for it. You see what I'm saying? Yep. It, it works as a it works as an interesting canary in the coal mine for your own personal information of every company that every, even touches your shit. And you can implement that with blockchain. All you have to do is put me on a blockchain that has like some coin behind it and I get paid in that coin that's USD or whatever. But my data is tied to a, to a, a, a wallet. And if and that data that data and if somebody questions and says, "Yo, OpenAI, where did you get this this data point?" It better have a blockchain ID to it. Yeah. Right. Right. Guaranteed contract. I get paid a fucking fraction of a penny because I'm sure this is in the thousands or the millions, but I can monitor my own consumption. Yeah. I'm being consumed. I want to know how much I'm being consumed. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking revolutionary idea. And there's some people out there that are like, my life's an open book. I want to make as much money as possible. I will tell you every damn thing about myself. Fine. That's you. That's your freedom. Other people are like, I want my yearly income to be zero. I don't want anybody to know shit about me. Mm-hmm. Zero dollars. You know what I mean? And I know, and that's my, that's my, that's my litmus test. If I get a dollar next year, I want to know who the fuck, what the piece of data got out there that gave me a dollar. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, I always think it's kind of funny, like these, um, platforms like say LinkedIn's a good one where their whole thing is based on people signing up for their platform and then yeah. now they'll have premium services where you can see they're selling you someone else's data to say they picked on your profile. Yeah. They clicked on you. What companies right. are looking at you and I'm like, so I'm paying you for something somebody else did. Like yeah. that's kind of a weird one. Like and how did you even know to recommend that job? Oh, it's because you scanned my, uh, as a person in the job today, right. you scanned my resume to see what my qualifications are. And then you amalgamated that into a, this is what all X, Y, Z's do for this job. And then you mm-hmm. leverage that and, and sold it to other people. Yep. Right now. So that's, that's the first half of it. I think that's revolutionary. And that is, that definitely bears follow up. What Benjio is talking about is the other problem with the, in the with the use of my likeness. Mm-hmm. He's exactly right. So, like the Sarah Silverman's of the world, and so on and so forth. If the model was trained on your data, unless you what you happen to say is such a unique thing in history that nobody else has ever said it before, and then it attributes it to you. Where did you learn that? Well, I got it from Sarah freaking Silverman. Like, unless it can actually be that exacting. If 20 people all make the same dad joke, right? It, who owns the dad joke? Nobody owns the dad joke. It's mm-hmm. just a common thing. And so it's so if, if, if it scans Facebook for how everybody feels about COVID or how everybody feels about a particular politician, y- your data is being used, but you don't, don't clutch your pearls just yet because it's not taking you at quote value. It's mushing all of that together. And it says the general sentiment is yeah. this. And you can't... Um, it's a gumbo soup and you can't separate the salt and the sausage and the rice after the soup's already been mixed and say, Oh, this is clearly Johnny's information, his specific quote on this. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But in some cases it could be identified uh, if, if an output is close enough to something that has been, you know, as, as copyright or something, I think in that case, yes, uh, we should do it. So he's, he's on thoughts. board with you. Yeah. It's a good fucking idea. That's all of my questions. Mr. I just Remarkably. have a couple of more questions. I promise I like they will Holly. be patient he's and very patient. But, I like what uh, he has to say. This panel is such a or great asked. resource that uh, I want to 
impose on your patience and your wisdom. Uh, the, uh, the point that you were making earlier about the red teaming and the importance of uh, testing and auditing uh, reminded me about your testimony, your prepared testimony, but also a conversation that you and I had about how Anthropic went about testing its large language model, particularly as related to the biological dangers where you worked with uh, world-class biosecurity experts, I think was your quote, over many months in order to be able to identify and mitigate the risks that Claude too might raise. Uh, on the other hand, yes, Google's very I think you may accommodating, providing all the top security. <laughs> use graduate students to do the same task. There's an enormous difference in those two testing regimens. Now, right now, there's no requirement, there's no legal duty, but would you recommend that when we write legislation that we impose some kind of qualifications on the testers and the evaluators uh, so as to have that ex expertise? Yes, so spiritually, I'm very aligned with that. I mean, I wanna say clearly, like all of us, all the companies, all the researchers are trying our best to figure this out, so you know, I don't wanna don't want to don't want to call out, uh, you know, any 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 companies here. I think we're all trying to figure it out together. But I think it is an object lesson in that, in testing these models, you know, you can do something that you might think is a very reliable way of soliciting bad bad behavior from the models, or uh, you know, a test that you think is truthful, uh, and you know, you can you can find out later that that really wasn't the case even if you had all the, all the good intent in the world. In the case of bio, the key was you know, to have world experts and to zero in on a few things. In other areas, the key, the key might be different. And so I think the most important thing, maybe not so much the static requirements, although I, although I, you know, I would certainly endorse you know, the level of expertise has to be very high, but, but making the process have some, some living element to it so that it can be adjusted. We used to think that this test was okay, this test was not okay. You know, just, just imagine we're a few years after, you know, the invention of flying, and we're like, we're looking at these big machines, and we're like, well, how do we know if this thing is gonna crash? Right now, we know very little. Somehow, we need to design the regulatory architecture so that we can, we can get to the point where if we learn new things about what makes planes safe and what makes planes crash, they, they get kind of automatically hooked into whatever architecture we've built. I don't know the best way to do that, but I think that should be the goal. Well, you know, that's uh, a very timely analogy because a lot of the agree in, in principle, but military aircraft we're building now. Even that, what you recommend is a new test and, also needs scrutiny uh, to make sure that it's not just right now, hidden censorship and shadow banning of information. Sophisticated mm -hmm. and complicated aircraft, which I know a little bit about because I'm on the Armed Services Committee, that, uh, you know, they are a lot smarter than pilots in some of the line they can do, but at the same time, they are certainly red team to avoid misdirection and, and mistakes. Uh, and the kinds of specifics that you just mentioned are where the rubber hits the road. These kinds of specifics are where the legislation will be very important. President what Biden makes planes crash? Shady uh, looking individuals. Uh, well, 
Uh, yeah, I guess technically. Safety, <laughs> transparency announced on Friday. Uh, important step forward, but this red teaming is an example of uh, how voluntary, non-specific commitments are insufficient. The the advantages are in the details, not just the devil. The the uh, details are tremendously important. And when it comes to economic pressures, companies can cut corners. Again, the gold rush. Can and will at every opportunity that you don't hold them accountable for. They absolutely will cut corners. Um, I want to just, uh, in the last, maybe the last question I have, um, on the issue of uh, open source. Um, uh -oh. You each raised the security and safety risk of AI models that are open source or are leaked to the public. The danger, there are some advantages to having open source as well. It's a complicated issue. I appreciate that open source can be an extraordinary resource. But um, even in the short time that we've had some AI tools and they've been available, they have been abused. For example, I'm aware that a group of people took stable diffusion and created a version for the express purpose of creating non-consensual sexual material. Um, of course, so porn is hand, the first use for all, your first AI use case. is a good thing for research, but on the other hand, uh, the same open models can create risks just because they are open. Senator Hawley and I, uh, as an example of our cooperation, uh, wrote to Meta about an AI model that they released to the public. You're familiar with it, I'm sure, Lama. Uh, they put the first version of LAMA out there with not much consideration of risk, um, and it was leaked or it was somehow made known. The second version had uh, more documentation of its safety work, but it seems like uh, Meta or Facebook's business decisions may have been driving its agenda. So uh, let me ask you about that phenomenon. I think you have commented on it. Uh, Dr. Bengio, so let me yeah. ask you first. Yes, I think it's really important because when you put open source out there for something that could be dangerous, which is a tiny minority of all the code that's open source, um, essentially we're opening the door to all the bad actors. And as these systems become more capable, uh, bad actors don't need to have very strong expertise, whether it's in bioweapons or cybersecurity, in order to take advantage of, of systems like this. And they don't even need to have huge amounts of compute either to take advantage of systems like this. Now, I believe that the different companies that committed uh, to these measures last week probably have a different interpretation of what is a dangerous system. And I think it's really important that the government comes up with uh, some definition which is gonna keep moving, but makes sure that if future releases are going to be very carefully evaluated for that potential before they are released. Um, I've been uh, a staunch advocate of open source for all my scientific career. Open source is great for scientific progress, but as uh, Jeff Hinton, my colleague, was saying, if nuclear bombs were software, would you, you know, allow open source of nuclear bombs? 
right, as long and as there's I an API the key. Comparison is apt. You know, I've um, <laughs> I've been reading the most recent biography of Robert Oppenheimer, and every time I think about AI, the the specter of quantum physics, nuclear bombs, but also atomic energy, both peaceful and military purposes, is inescapable. So I have another thing to add on, on open source. Some of it is coming from companies like Meta, but there's also a lot of open source coming out of universities. Now, usually these universities don't have the means of training the kind of large systems that we're seeing in industry. But the code could be then you know, used by a rich bad actor and turned into something dangerous. So yeah, that's I everything. believe that we need ethics <laughs> review boards like vetted any of these people that in are universities for AI. Yeah, just that's like that's bio research, medicine. that's medical research. Right now there's no such thing. All those yeah, universities have people sitting on them that will fund the research that, that says, by the way, when you're writing this, you gotta share it with us. We need to move into a culture where universities across the world, but you know, in, in, in developed nations in particular, adopt these uh, ethics reviews with the same principles what we're doing for other sciences where there is dangerous output, but in the case of AI. Yeah. Yeah, I, I strongly share Professor Benjo's view here. Uh, I want to make sure I'm kind of precise in my views because I think there's, you know, there's, there is nuance to it. You know, in line with Professor Benzio, I think in most scientific fields, open source is a good thing. It accelerates progress. And I think even within AI, there's room for models on the smaller and medium side. I don't think anyone thinks those models are seriously dangerous. They have, they have some risks, but the benefits may outweigh the costs. Um, and, and I think to be fair, even up to the level of open source models that uh, have been released so far, the risks are, are relatively limited. So construed very narrowly, I'm not sure I have an objection. But I'm very concerned about where things are going. If we talk about two to three years for the frontier models for the bio risks, and probably less than that for things like misinformation, we're, th we're there now. I think the path that things are going in terms of the scaling of, of, of open source models, I think it's going down a very dangerous path. Yeah. And if the, this goes back to what we talked again, about before, it's like, oh, I think we you get please can only have the AI if it's dumb. I think dumb. it's worth saying some things mm -hmm. on open source or models that if it's are, a, are clear to all the experts, but I want to make sure it's is understood understanding. By, by this committee, which is when, but the when expert you level? control a no. model and you're deploying it, you have the ability to monitor its usage. It might be misused at one point, but then you can alter the model, you can revoke a user's access, you yep. can change what the model is willing to do. When a model is released in an uncontrolled manner, there's no ability to do that. It's, it's entirely out of your hands. Um, and so I think that should be attended to carefully. There may be ways to release models open source so that it's harder to circumvent the guardrails, but that's a much harder problem and we should, we should confront the advocates of this with, with, with that problem and challenge them to solve it. Finally, I'd say open source is a little bit of a, a misnomer here, right? Open source yeah. normally refers to you know, smaller developers who are iterating quickly, and I think that's a good thing. But I think here we're talking about something a little bit different, which is a more uncontrolled release of larger models by, uh, you know, again, to your point, Senator Hawley, like much larger entities that pay tens or even hundred, hundreds of millions do of dollars to, to train them. I think we should think of that in a little bit of a different category and their obligations in a little bit of a different category. 
So I'd just like to add a couple of points. I agree with everything uh, the other witnesses said. Um, so one issue is being able to trace the provenance uh, of, uh, from the, the output that is problematic uh, through to which model was used to create it, through to where did that model come from. Uh, and a second point is, is about liability. Five. And uh, it's not completely clear where exactly the liability should lie, but if, to continue the nuclear analogy, if a, a corporation decided they wanted to sell a lot of enriched uranium in supermarkets, um, and someone decided to take that enriched uranium and buy several pounds of it and make a bomb, wouldn't we say that some liability should reside with the company that decided to sell the enriched uranium? Yes. They could put a vice on it saying, do not use more than you know three ounces of this uh, in one place or something. But no one's going to say that that absolves them from liability. So. Um, yeah. So, so I think those <laughs> if you two don't fill really the ingredients, it doesn't matter if you have the knowledge. Uh, mm -hmm. Has got to start thinking about whether they they should be liable uh, for putting stuff out there that is ripe for misuse. Oh, wait a minute. He took that in a I, different I direction. Invite, um, any of you who have. He's trying to say uh, that the information that the AI gives, gives you is the nuclear. You haven't had an opportunity. Yeah, it's not. Shit that you can download. Uh, so I would gross. like to add a point about international or multilateral collaboration on these things, and how it's related to having maybe a single agency here in the United States. If, if there are 10 different agencies trying to uh, regulate AI in its various forms, that could be useful. Um, but um, as Stuart Russell was saying, this is, this is gonna be very big in terms of this, what it, you know, the space it takes in the economy, but also, uh, we need to have a single voice that, that coordinates with, with uh, the other countries. And having uh, one agency that does that is, is going to be very important. Also, we need an agency in the first place because we can't predict, we can't put in a law every um, protection that, that is needed uh, Okay, uh, uh, we don't know yet what the regulation like should be in one year or two years, like, years well, So we need to build something that's going to be very agile. Like, and I know I it's mean, difficult China's for governments totally to do okay. that. Maybe you know we can I mean, like research to improve I, on that I front, wish, agility and like doing the right thing. And even but, at that level, but, um, every but time having the U.S. is a tool towards that goes, well, fuck you guys. I would just close by saying. Sue me. We're just going to go do what we're going to do. Today, this international bullshit it's to like develop an entity or it's so in a body because you either have the agile big players that muscle you into like fast. agreeing with them or you have people like the united states who's no like we're the top dogs and as long as you agree with us we'll keep I don't talking know but if you don't agree with us go fuck yourself we're gonna go do it anyways like on yeah, ai but i know we have a lot of work Come to make sure buddy. that the fire here is used productively, and there are enormously oh, invoking productive Prometheus. uses. We haven't really <laughs> talked about them much, uh, whether it is curing cancer, treating diseases, some of them mundane, by screening x-rays, or developing new technology that can help stop climate change. <laughs> shook himself awake, there too. There are a vast like, variety oh. of potentially productive uses, and it should be done with American workers, I think, uh, very much in agreement here. Uh, and the last point I would make on, on agreement, what you've seen here uh, is not all that common. 
which is bipartisan unanimity that that's the sign that they're all worried about their jobs from <laughs> the federal government we can't depend so it's on bipartisan is a motherfucker because we all got to get reelected academia. Uh, the federal government has a role that is not only reactive and regulatory, it is also proactive in to like, please don't send your AI to scrutinize my <laughs> voting <laughs> records. Exactly. To make and make ads. Work mm -hmm. for all of us. So I want to thank uh, every one of you for being here today. Uh, we look forward to continuing this conversation with you. Uh, our record is going to remain open for two weeks in case any of my colleagues have written questions for you. Uh, I may have some too. If you have additional thoughts, feel free to submit them. I've read a number of your writings and I'm sure I will continue reading them and uh, look forward to talking again. Uh, with that, this hearing is adjourned. And with that, we are adjourned. Any final thoughts? Well, I think it's a complicated issue and I think that we're going to see more hearings and we'll see where it goes yeah so the first one you could tell that the first the first one that we listened to was a lot of uh, uh, we ought to do something in general like we, we ought to do something and this one was definitely around like what are we going to what do? are we going to do with a central agency mm -hmm. and then and then what are the what are the things we should be looking out for I, so. I really do think that they're bringing to light a lot of topics, though, that are problems in so many places that it's going to be really hard for them to stand it up in the AI space where it is the ideal, where it's not, you know, a perverted version of, you know, what we'd like to see as a a, regula a regulation or a regulatory mm -hmm. industry. And because there's so many problems and I mean, they've been calling them out, but they're also not really acknowledging the fact that they haven't been able to make it okay in any of these yep. other industries, not to the extent that they should be acknowledging it. Right. And, and, and as much as, as many of these things as I actually agree with on spirit, I still just always get nervous about the fact that there are already people that are, as soon as you say we need regulation and everybody agrees and everything else, as soon as everybody is optimistically focusing on what the framework ought to be, there are an equal number of people that are looking at how do I capture that? How do I circumvent it? How do I ignore it as long as I can? How do I kick the can down the road? How do I slow walk my my um, my regulation reporting? So I really hope that they look at this and re red team themselves on how to set up the regulations so that they can avoid a lot of the pitfalls because there are so many other agents uh, industries that they've attempted to stand these watchdog organizations up that do nothing or these uh, policing efforts that do nothing. Well, they keep mentioning it. I mean, they themselves keep mentioning yeah. the fact that these industries are um, basically taking the regulator regulation industry out or sorry, yep. agencies out and they're basically dictating what the regulators yep. Are regulating and so i mean they know there's a there's and a they got to look at themselves they got to look at themselves right because again i'm learning a lot about law and civics and um these judicial commissions these these um these committees and subcommittees right mm -hmm. there's even politics within them mm -hmm. right there are certain subcommittees that should probably have other individuals on it but they purposely don't let them on it because they don't want rebel rousers and that is within your own senate and congress 
So you have the, the Senate for Oversight on Health and Human Services, and you don't want the guy that's going to get onto the Health and Human Services and talk about how shitty Health and Human Services are. Right. So it, it becomes a circle jerk of, like, you get some kind of pushback a little bit or whatever, but it's because those committees are not just open doors that anybody can come into. You have to impress the chair. You have to get on the committee. And, and and these guys that are protecting their own jobs, right? I didn't mean to turn this into like a poo-poo on the government thing, but this is this this is something that has to be solved top down. And I'm hoping that AI um, for all of its negative aspects of it and the fear that they have that it's gonna undermine their positions, I hope that it actually causes some kind of an overhaul in the way that we even structure the way that all this stuff organizes itself. And that we don't just do this like blind eye to the fact that this shit's broken in every other place you try to regulate anything and that we do a better job because mm -hmm. i don't what i don't want to see this is the hypocrisy that uh, uh, ai is heavily regulated and all this other stuff and it's this shining example meanwhile they haven't overhauled any of the under industries that they're supposed to be doing the same well, things for even it becomes a shining example like you know is it just that they have limited it to these you know Fortune five yeah. companies who own all the AI and get to give you what you get yeah. and restrict the knowledge and, and, right. and, and, right. Cause in the, in the space of, of the marketplace and competition, what everybody's really, the entire world works off of unfair advantage. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It just is. If you're, if you're a job candidate trying to get a job, you're hoping that you have the unfair advantage of having more information and being the more qualified candidate than the other people that applied for the job. It's innate to everything in human existence. The point is unfair advantage. And so uh, that there, there's lobbying occurring right before your eyes. That's basically saying, how do we secure our interests early and now mm -hmm. while lip servicing that we can't let a few or large organizations control it all, but really that's what's going to happen. Right. And uh, Even if it's not immediately, yeah. eventually. Yep, yep, yep. Anyways, right. not a negative, I mean, not, not to end it on a negative note, um, well, there you, you guys remains see. to be seen. He keeps saying it's not imper it's not, it's imperfect, and I I'm 100% going to give Claude to a pass. But we're gonna I have some content coming that's going to demonstrate how just because you put flowery language like we the people sounding constitutional language into a document that the AI current AIs have to review, it does not actually mean that these things are um sentient enough to actually take in those core values and then act on those core values for that you need a separate system we'll show that in, in an upcoming session with claude too um but yeah thank you for tuning in if you stayed with us i uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, several part series and we will continue to cover these um these senate hearings because i think they're really important we're watching a new dawn of history and an entire industry stand up right before us and we're alive during an interesting time so